0: Good morning and welcome to The Morning Briefing for Thursday, February 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dane. Jake Hughes is your producer, and my microphone doesn't want to seem to stay still. All right, there we go. It's a little bit tightened up now. Now that that's all settled, I can tell you about what's coming up on today's show. In just a little bit, Joe Chanelli Executive Director of AmVest, will join us for his weekly spot to talk about the latest and greatest going on with... American Veterans, one of the largest VSOs in the nation. They've got a lot going on. They've been in the news a lot lately, and they'll be continuing to do a lot moving forward, I'm sure. We'll talk to Joe about exactly what that is coming up. After that, Carrie Childress. Now, she's the vice president of Fisher House Foundation. If you don't know what the Fisher House Foundation is, well, you're going to learn today, and it's going to be one heck of a lesson We've actually got a little clip from Carrie that we're going to play here uh, in just a little bit to give you a little tease of what's coming up in that interview. But Fisher House Foundation is helping military families, particularly those who have a, uh, a veteran service member who's seeking medical care, uh, long term hospice, things like that. Fisher House it's giving them a home away from home, and Carrie Childress will be here to talk to us about that later on in the show. So all of that coming up today, but today starts, as most days do, by welcoming Jake Hughes into the studio. Jake, good Thursday. How are you, sir? I'm
1: doing okay. How are you, Eric? I'm sore.
0: Yeah, um, you so, told me that. Yeah, as I've, as I've mentioned, uh, I've, I've, you know, I used to be fast, Jake. I used to be fast. Somewhere along the way, I lost that S and just started being fat. So now I'm trying to figure out a way to get back into shape. And one way that I'm doing so is uh, I signed up at a a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy, which also has kickboxing and Muay Thai and all that stuff. And as I talked about the day after the first uh, class that I went to on the trial week, I knew I was going to sign up. But hey, if they're giving you a free week, you take the free week, right? So after that first day. Uh, I was exhausted. My legs were barely working, like walking from my car to the elevator to get up here. Uh, That was a bit of a pain. Every class, though, gets a little bit better. For example, last night, the warm-up where you run around the the mat basically and then do it in a bunch of different ways. Like you're running forward, you're doing high knees, you're doing sideways, you're doing sideways the other way, you're doing jumping jacks as you run. Um, the first time I did that, what was it, a month ago or so, exhausted by the end of the warm-up, which is not a good sign. How do you do jumping jacks while running? So it's really just you're kind of skipping, and then each time you skip, you clap your hands above oh, okay. your head. So it's, it's you're moving, but it's not really running. I suppose it's not the best way to describe it. But... Uh, last night that finishes and they're like, uh, you know, uh, uh, so the professor is like, all right, that's it. Uh, everybody gather around and I'm like, oh, it's done. Hey, I can still breathe. I can still stand up straight. This is fantastic. So got through that and got to the uh, the fun stuff. But then it's fun, but it's also, you know, it's a combat sport. So I've got a a knot on my knee from where I was doing a drill. I did it. I don't know, probably seven or eight times, no problem. And then that ninth time or eighth time, whatever it was, planted my right knee a little bit harder than I should have and just, boom, it did not feel good. Uh, So had to go take care of that, uh, you know, by getting some ice on it and all that stuff. And I guess the key of this discussion is you need to find something to help keep yourself in shape. Because as veterans, we get out of the military and all too often that's the end of our physical uh, output. We have, uh, while we're in PT, we have command PT, we have all these different things that we do. And then you get out of the military and you're like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. And if I don't need to do it, I'm not going to do it. For example, a beard. Think about it. I was in the Navy for 13 years. I had to shave every day. When I was on leave, I wouldn't shave. I'd be on leave for a month or whatever and yeah, I'd be able to grow a little bit of facial hair, I suppose. But When I got out, I thought, huh, I had to shave every day of the week and keep it down. Now, I don't have to do that. I'm going to let this baby grow. And I did. And at first, it got up to one of the, uh, you know, that ridiculous beard level where people think, Maybe that person is homeless. <laughs> I got to that one where it sticks out on the sides almost as much as it does in the uh, in the chin area. and then uh, my girlfriend at the time, who would uh, eventually become my wife, was saying, it's a bit much. You might want to trim down on the sides, especially, but it's kind of the same thing with working out. Like I didn't have i didn't, I needed to shave every day while I was in the military. Those were the rules I didn't need to when I got out, so I stopped. You needed to work out a few times a week for the entire time you were in the military. There's nobody forcing you to do that when you get out, so a lot of us do stop, and it's not good, because you know what? We can talk about all the different epidemics that face the veteran community, whether it's opioids, alcohol, obesity, yeah, obesity, obesity and health. Think about how many people you know, particularly if you were in for a while, people who retired, And then drop dead within 5 years, 10 years after that. Think about that. And think about how old most of us are when we retire from the military. You're looking at as young as 37, 38 years old retiring. Oldest, uh, let's say you do 30 years. That puts you at, what, 48 years old or so if you enlisted at 18? 48 years old and then 10 years later when you're 58 you're dropping dead? That's too young, man. Way too young to be gone. But it's something that happens. I can name one, two, three. I think four people off the top of my head who retired from the Navy and were dead within five years because of health issues, heart attacks, things like that. Big part of that, I think, particularly with the people that I can name off the top of my head, is the fact that they were just not physically active. And I have those examples in my head, and I also realize that it's starting to happen to me. Well, starting to. Oh, geez. Looked at myself in the mirror with a shirt off the other day. This isn't the start. We're well underway in the process. So that was part of what uh, motivated me to get out there and start getting uh, a little bit of work on, start breaking a sweat and getting all that good stuff done. Because, again, those five guys I knew, a few of which were friends of mine, a couple of which I, I wasn't all that close with, but... I, you know, I don't want to end up like them, Jake. I don't want to end up like the the five people that I can name off the top of my head who were dead within 10 years of getting out of the military after serving for a long time. Wow. I mean, wow. yeah, I can think of uh, of quite a few. One of them, I had a heart attack in the club. Now, he was not the most active person while he was in either, and then it got even worse when he got out, and then there were other health issues, but five people dead from health issues within 10 years of getting out of the military after serving These people, I think, all 15-plus years. That's insane. It happens a lot. Those epidemics, man, opioids, obesity. The other one, alcohol. I'm actually working on writing something up about the fact that I think alcohol abuse and addiction is kind of being ignored a little bit in the veteran community, which, you know, the opioid crisis is something severe and something serious. And I know some people who've had some issues with it. I'm lucky enough to not know anybody who's died from it, but again, I could name four different sailors that I worked with dead from alcohol-related issues, whether it's health issues, whether it's uh, falling down while drunk, whether it's uh, riding a motorcycle while drunk. I mean, I, there are some serious issues out there that the veteran community is dealing with in regards to our health, and the big focus, because the national focus now is on opioids, there's a lot more to it than opioids, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's something that we need to keep in mind. Another thing we need to keep in mind is that uh, the schools, our high schools, are supposed to be a place of learning, not particularly a place of, uh, I don't know, what would you call it when a teacher starts uh, yelling out anti-military stuff, Jake? Oh. Uh, propaganda? Yeah, probably. Yeah, propaganda or anti-military uh, preaching from someone who's in the position of authority within the class. Well, you remember the story of... Councilman slash teacher Gregory Salcido, former mayor of Pico Rivera, California, is on leave from El Rancho High School. Still, after being seen on a video scolding a 17-year-old student wearing a U.S. Marine Corps sweatshirt, uh, urging him not to join the military, telling him that uh, all all military members be stupid and things like that. You know that we're not uh, high thinkers. Well, some of us aren't. He's, yeah. he's right about that. But there are also there are those who are. Um, you know, this is something that's gotten comment from people like General Mattis, Chief of Staff John Kelly. I mean, a lot of people put it out there. So there was a uh, town council, city council, in Pico Rivera meeting. And guess who was there? Mr. Salcido. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they addressed the issue, and they cannot force him from his post. They can censure him, which means he can't show up to events. He's not allowed to vote, all that stuff. So basically... He'd still be a city councilman by name only, but he wouldn't be able to do any of the things that make being a city councilman important. The mayor of Pico Rivera, Gustavo Camacho, called it bullying, arrogant, and aggressive behavior and says, you know, he's not happy with it. And that uh, seemed to be brought up from a lot of people in the area. Now, Salcido finally, for the first time that we're aware of, kind of defended his comments and explained where he was coming from. So, according to him, was that he was trying to get most of his students who are low-income minorities, to settle for the Army or Navy. Not to settle for the Army or Navy, basically. He didn't want them to settle for that. And his quote is, My goal, as it relates to my students, is to get them to do everything to go to college. I wanted to challenge them to reach their academic potential. He was, while he said that, shouted down by angry members of the crowd, including veterans uh, veterans uh, like Raul Rodriguez, 76 years old, who said, you know the bottom line is you're 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 offending me you're going against this uh this country and it's not good so america love it or leave it that's the bottom line that's Raul Rodriguez 76 years old army veteran retired warehouse worker from apple valley california so you know this guy getting up there and uh <coughs> sorry i've developed a little bit of a cough this morning uh, <coughs> um a lot of people getting up and speaking out against him. At least one who spoke for him, that's a, a former student of his named Eric Gleason from Pico Rivera, who graduated in 2015, said that Salcido does not bully students, despite the fact that we've seen it yeah, on a video. Yeah, so he, good, good try, Eric. Despite the fact that he, you know, d- did. Yeah. <laughs> he said Salcido urges students to disagree, who disagree with him to speak from the heart. And I quote, speak from the heart. He was not allowing that student to get a word in edgewise. He was attempting to embarrass him. He was, in fact, bullying him. So, Eric Gleason, I don't know uh, if you, uh, I don't know how he did in his English classes or anything, but the definition of the word bullying, I don't think he understands exactly what it is. Now, you keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> there you go, go. He says, this uh, Gleason young man, I believe that I probably wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for him. I believe he gave me courage to just be myself. He says that he was bullied in school, uh, and Salcido helped him and, All right, so you were bullied by some people and this guy helped you and then the guy who helped you goes on to bully other people, but he's okay then? Like, I understand you've got a personal tie to him. Especially from a position of power, like from a teacher to a student. That's just wrong. Yeah, you know, the student who made the video and his family, they didn't show up to the thing. Uh, An attorney said that... uh, They believed their presence would make the situation worse, Uh, you know, Salcido being there, and obviously there were plenty of people willing to speak out on behalf of that family, so I don't think that they needed to be there.
1: Yeah, they didn't really need to, and I just, the more I think about, I can't understand how someone could be so ignorant that the fact that, I mean okay I understand the stereotype of the dumb soldier or the dumb marine or
0: whatever but the dumb sailor I mean you and I are walking talking versions of the stereotype of the dumb soldier
1: I know sailor. right IRB yeah. smart yeah. Dad
0: gummit but anyway uh just Dad gummit Dad
1: gum I am from Texas okay I'm from the <laughs> south give me give cut me some slack jack but uh, it's just how can you be that ignorant to think that everyone that joins the army or the or the military does it only cuz it's their only option
0: yeah, I mean, uh, listen. There is a test that you have to take to get in. So the dumbest of the dumb, they ain't even getting into the right. military. You got to remember that there's a a minimum score unless you get the uh, the dreaded ASVAB waiver, which makes them like, what would you get in the ASVAB? Oh, I go to three. Yeah. Don't you get fifteen just for filling out your name and everything properly? Yeah, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you do that stuff, uh, you know. It's so the other thing is, and this is not acceptable either. This guy, this is the way to deal with it. At this town council, city council meeting, for them to say, like, you know, this is not okay. Let him hear the voice of the community. Of course, in this day and age, social media, everybody's got a presence. He does. And he's gotten fairly constant and profane threats via social media. Yeah, that's the other side of it, is on social
1: media, everyone's a bad boy. Yeah. Everyone is hardcore and oorah and hooah and all that good stuff. Yeah. But, and and it may be, it, I don't, Again, I don't understand how people don't realize that that's not good for your cause to cuss someone out. No, it's and not. You're, you're and not threatening them. Yeah, you're not helping the matter. You're not helping him see that veterans are smart by acting like an idiot.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of threats to kill him. Which I, you know, what? I've seen comments on the story, and I can validate that there are people out there who are saying stupid stuff like that. As 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 irritating and ignorant as Jake said is what this guy Salcedo was saying. He didn't hurt anybody physically. He didn't do anything like that. It's certainly not a uh, a capital offense where he should be put to death for it, but... Seem to be some people out there who at least when they're sitting behind a keyboard think that just about anything is a uh, you know, an offense that should result in execution. You yeah.
1: know what I mean? And we know those people most likely aren't nine times out of ten, they're not veterans. They're people that get offended on veterans' behalf. They're yeah. so and I understand where they're coming from. They're very patriotic, they like to support the troops and all that stuff. I get that. But by acting so stupid is the only word I can really think of to describe it. So stupid you're not helping the argument. Yeah. You're this hyperbole and these death threats and thinking that someone... It's ironic. It's the same people that are claiming there's a war on free speech that want this guy to die because he spoke something they didn't like.
0: Yeah. I you know I would argue this. There, there is a little bit of a war on well, free yeah, speech yeah, going but, on. However... You need to be able to recognize when it's a war on your free speech, you're going to be able to tell. But what about when it's somebody else's? That's the key. You need to be mm-hmm. able to notice when someone who you disagree with is saying something and you want them shut up and shut down. Now, of course, this is a government employee and making statements like this. It's not a freedom of speech issue. This is a, you know, it's, it's you're not allowed to do things like that in the classroom. That's why he's been on leave since. We'll see what happens with it. But, you know, in response to the threats, he actually addressed those also at the city council meeting saying, quote, I am a pacifist. I am opposed to any sort of violence. If any of you try to do me any harm, I'm not going to fight you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) You can be a pacifist, but if someone is physically trying to assault you, you defend yourself. If you don't, you're a crazy person.
1: Yeah, you're just going to sit there and put your arms at your side, let someone punch the snot out of you. Yeah, like At least throw an arm up or something.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to fight you if uh, if you try to do me any harm. See, oh, thi- then you're gonna die. Yeah, this is him trying to be a martyr now. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's trying to be all I'm so pure and I'm so honest. Look at me. He's trying to be like a Christ-like figure, like I'm not even going to ar- argue or say words when you assault me physically.
0: <gasps> I am so pious. That I like your pious accent there. Yeah. That was a good one. The, the very Clear, enunciated words. Um, it's just dumb, you know. Like yeah. I, when, uh, when, think about this. You're not a particularly violent guy. You're not out there looking to start fights I with hate people. Hate
1: confrontation. And there you go. <laughs> when
0: Shane Crutchton locked you in a, a, a choke from behind, were you just going to be like, "All right, I'll just sit here"? No, you tapped. You were if, if you were if you tapped and you didn't stop, you would have been trying to pull it off and get out. Yeah, that's how a normal human being reacts. To say if you try to do me any harm, I'm not going to fight you. No, yes, you are. First yeah. off, that's that's a dumb statement. And again, pacifism is not about not defending yourself. Pacifism is about, oh, look, there's a... Uh, anyway, I'm not even going to talk about the headline I just saw on TV. No. Nope. All right. So uh, the, the, the pacifism taking it to the level of, I won't even defend myself. Like, okay, Buddhist monk. Yeah. Mm, we'll see. Dalai Lama. We'll see what happens there. I mean, if someone punches you in the face and walks away, that's one thing. But if someone's trying to do continuous harm to you... You better defend yourself. Otherwise, there ain't going to be nothing to defend. And then, yeah, as you said, you could be a martyr, but that's all you could possibly be. The mayor and three city council members voted for the urging his resignation. Salcedo voted against it, and a fifth council member abstained, saying the resolution, which is not binding except to keep Salcedo from committees and appointments, was pointless. So that guy was saying, like, listen, this doesn't do anything, guy or or girl, I don't know, lady, gentleman, whatever sh- they may be, um, saying that you know this doesn't really do anything except for keep him from committees and appointments. That's kind of something, so it's better than nothing. But uh, that person uh, deciding not to vote, which, <laughs> yeah, I understand where you're coming from when it comes to when it comes to that. You know, I've never liked the abstaining thing. Like, oh, I'm not going to vote on this. I think it's pointless. All right, then vote against it. I mean, abstaining means you're just like I'm not going to touch this. I don't want I don't want people to think I'm supporting it one way or the other. I see that as spineless when it comes. Yeah, to politics. it really is. Unless you have a personal involvement that makes it impossible for you to have an unbiased opinion. Okay, that's when you abstain, not saying like. Uh, This is pointless. Well, if it's pointless, then vote against it. Instead of abstaining because you don't want to vote against it because then people say like, ah, that's the guy who supports the uh, the teacher who hates the military. That's exactly what that is. That's politics boiled down to just a fine crystal right there. This is pointless, so I'll abstain. Well, if it's pointless, why didn't you vote against it? Well, I'm not going to be seen as supporting this guy. Oh, then why didn't you vote for it? Well, because I think it's pointless. It just goes around <laughs> in a circle
1: where all that stuff. But Circular logic. Very yeah. mil- very military of them.
0: It's one of those things that uh, you know, I guess we'll keep an eye on. Maybe something will happen there. Probably not. It doesn't seem like the guy's going to want to resign. It's often very, very difficult to uh, force a public school teacher to uh, resign or to leave office if they haven't committed a crime, and he hasn't been charged with a crime. Uh, you know, it's... You could argue that the the bullying and all the stuff that he did was perhaps a crime. It could certainly be a professional code violation. And the fact that he has several instances on his record, including allegedly striking a student, which he was suspended for before, that could add into it, right? Yeah, that could. And
1: again, my opinion on this whole thing is basically that he did something stupid
0: and he is an idiot, but I don't think he should be fired. Mm. I uh, I'd be okay if he was. I mean, th- this is something where that's your job. And I, I had, particularly in high school, not so much. In high school, middle school, even elementary school, but especially middle school and high school, I had enough bad teachers that I I, I do not have the best uh, fondest recollections of most teachers that I had. Uh, that when a- when a teacher does something demonstrably bad like this and has other stuff on his record, get him out of there. I mean, this this is not the type of person that you want. Uh, teaching children, uh, at least that's my opinion. So I'm okay with him being fired. I'm not okay with people threatening his life and that kind of stupid yeah. stuff. Just knock it off. No, he does not deserve to die over this. This is not in the Wild West where, you know, someone insulted your honor. I'm going to kill him. No, you're not
1: going to. No. So
0: shut up and stop saying it.
1: It's like right? that meme I saw. I bet if people brought back duels, a lot less people would be offended all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Here's an interesting story that's kind of in the, uh, the, you know, us weekly, the magazine that focuses on celebrities Uh, and all that stuff or like people magazine. Here's one of the, uh, the military versions of us weekly, which uh, may be coming to an end now. Dakota Meyer medal of honor recipient. You know who he's married to? Uh, yeah. It's uh, Sarah Palin's daughter, Bristol, right? Bristol Palin. Yep. But they're calling it quits. Oh, again, uh, not so happy Valentine's Day for Bristol Palin, according to the Military Times. Uh, Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer filed reportedly filed for divorce. He's twenty nine years old. Um, you know he's a Marine, Battle of Gunggall in Afghanistan, two thousand nine. Uh, awarded the uh, the Medal of Honor because of that. They were married in June of two thousand sixteen. So just uh, you know, less than a couple of years ago. What's that? One two and years. A half? Yeah, one and a half. One and a half years ago. a Year and eight months or something like that. Um, I believe they have, I believe they have a couple of kids, don't they? I think she has, um, um, no, I, th- I don't know. I don't know. She has an older kid and then he has at least one with her. And then I don't know, but you know, you wonder about that. Like this is the guy kind of may, like he became kind of a, I mean, as a medal of honor recipient, You're kind of like a celebrity in the military, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, particularly in this day and age where yes. the ceremonies are <laughs> televised and all that stuff. But he, he married into something that's that's a lot bigger than that. And, he, and again, we don't know why he filed for divorce. I don't care why he filed for divorce. It's none of my business. And this is, again, this Us Weekly, People Magazine, TMZ culture where this made the military times. The fact that a Medal of Honor recipient is getting divorced. Boy, I'm sure that family loves to see that on the on
1: the yeah. paper. Well, now he's a real Marine. He's uh <laughs> He's got child support payments. He's got an ex-wife. He's yeah. she is an official marine.
0: Hey, hey Jake said that, not me. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he seems to be a good guy from everything I know, everything I've ever seen. Um, I know people who've met him and, and have said, you know, really uh straightforward, honest, uh, straight shooting guy. Seeing your private life plastered all over, yeah, you know, it's and and this is not just going to be on military times. I'm sure there's going to be something on TMZ, Fox News, CNN. There's going to be a bunch of this stuff. It's uh. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate part of that celebrity culture where, you know, he was kind of in a a certain well-respected class of military celebrity as it were, but most medal of honor recipients, they just kind of go about their business, do their thing and people leave them alone. He married into something where there's even a bigger spotlight on it. So it kind of threw him up there. You remember we were talking about his, uh, Back and forth with Dan Bilzerian following the oh yeah in Las that Vegas. whole scenario,
1: yeah, where he was criticizing Bilzerian because he tried to like take a cop's gun during yeah. that shooting. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was very interesting. Speaking of interesting, got a little preview here for our discussion with Carrie Childress from Fisher House. Here is a little story that'll let you know, without giving too much away, exactly how big and how great the work Fisher House is doing.
2: Not very long ago, we got an email on our info account. It was from a Gold Star wife. And she said, very simply, I visited my husband's grave today at Arlington National Cemetery. I didn't leave a flag. I didn't leave photo. I didn't leave flowers. I left a Fisher House coin.
0: Wow. That, that, that gives you an idea of how much this means to these families. Fisher House interview coming up in just a while. Coming up next, Joe Shinelli from AmVets is in the house, and he'll be in the studio in just a few moments. It's the morning briefing. Back after this.
1: Helping military veterans stay connected.
0: We make it easy.
1: We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com.
0: Connecting Vets every day. Online
1: and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Vets. CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. Online and all over social media Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and
0: Twitter. At Connecting Vets. Carrie Childress currently serves as the vice president of Fisher House Foundation. She was on the front lines in California when our severely injured troops started coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and saw firsthand the impact of a Fisher house and the difference it made for those veterans, their families, and VA staff. A Navy veteran herself, she's been serving veterans in some capacity her entire 36-year career. And we now welcome Carrie Childress to the studio. Carrie, good morning. Thank Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Glad to be here. Thank you very much. So
0: as I mentioned, like myself, you served in the world's finest Navy. So tell me just a little (laughs) bit about your service. When you joined, where you served, and what you did.
2: Well, you know, I remember, um, because I'm quite a bit older than most of the veterans I run into today, but uh, and they often ask why I joined the Navy, and I said, well, I was waitressing at a truck stop in El Paso, Texas, Wow! and kind of decided this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. And and the Navy at that time, or the military at that time, had a pretty hefty GI Bill. Nothing like they have today, but at oh, that yeah. time there was still a good GI Bill because it was during Vietnam. And um, and I just went, you know, the military might really help me out here. And and in fact, the military set me up in life, um, not just with my education, but I've probably bought five homes now on, oh, with wow. a with a VA loan. And. Um, Certainly have made use of the VA hospitals, and also uh, worked for the VA for almost thirteen years. So, you know, many of the jobs I have now and have had throughout my life um, came as a result of my my enlistment in the Navy back when I was nineteen years old. And what did you do while you were in the Navy? I was. Um, a uh, photojournalist.
0: Oh, there you go. Same job as me. PH yeah. or J-O? Uh,
2: jo. There you go. J-O. The good
0: kind. J-O. Yeah. Journalist, which doesn't exist anymore.
2: Uh, I know. It's
0: merged. I, How I was sad in. is that? I was in when the merge happened, and it was so confusing. And then they also threw in two other jobs, lithographers and draftsmen that were yeah. just kind of obsolete <laughs> rates, who then you would have a radio station, and you'd have like a draftsman or an illustrator come in, and you'd try to get them to host a radio show. Oh, all sorts of fun. But... When you got out as a JO, a Navy journalist, tell me what you remember most about your transition period when your Navy time came to an end.
2: Well, I was actually luckier than most because I went to work as the associate editor for Navy Times. Oh, wow. So, (laughs) got out of being a Navy journalist and then went into uh, the private sector because many people don't realize the Times are privately run, they are not run by the government, and uh, worked for Navy Times for a number of years. So, it it really did kind of help the transition because I never did actually stop being involved with the Navy, um, and as I say, um, my my husband was also a Navy vet, so it, it really probably was much easier for me, mm-hmm. uh, certainly than veterans who served in combat. Right, you know, because there is a big difference between being a veteran and being a combat veteran, mm. and nobody understands that any better than I do because I've seen. I've seen combat vets uh, coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and I know many Vietnam veterans who hmm. served in combat. It's, it's a very different coming home for them than it was for me. Right. Um, I, quite frankly, was blessed, yeah. and some of them were not so blessed.
0: No, we've yeah. met— uh, so many of our brothers and sisters in arms who've dealt with uh, such difficult things, many of them requiring uh, extreme and extensive medical care. I mean, we can think of Rob Jones, our, our friend of the show, who just ran 31 marathons in 31 days on two prosthetic legs in 31 cities. Is that amazing? He is incredibly amazing. And what's even more amazing is when you go back and, and find out about all the care that he got and listening to him about his experience and all the uh, uh, the difficulties that he faced, the, the, the trials and uh, overcoming all of those and how he finally was able to do so Um, there are many organizations that he talks about that helped him there are many organizations that are out there working to help our veterans one of which of course is the fisher house which you are involved in so how did you come to be uh, first involved with fisher house
2: i was actually in va um, at the palo alto campus Hmm. which was one of the at the time four polytrauma centers where these young men and women uh, were coming back very, very severely injured. And, um, man, I really did see firsthand the difference that a Fisher House meant because we would get these young young military coming in, and behind them came these very young wives. And we're talking Palo Alto. We're talking the Bay Area of California, for mm. crying out loud. You can't even get a dump hotel for $200 a night. And so uh, our staff just kind of looked at each other and raised their hands and go, what do we do? How do we help these families? And and it was really, really um, difficult for our staff as well because the social workers, the nurses, because quite frankly, our injured service members weren't happy mm. if they didn't know their families were safe. Yep. And so we, within the second year I was there, um, I was kind of asked to go out and raise money to help build a Fisher House, and I thought, hmm, great, I moved to the most liberal part of the United States, (laughs) and you want me to go out and raise money for service members who fought in a war that nobody supports around here? Yep. I am here to tell you, within a year, we raised $1.5 million. Wow. Wow. I saw people in the Bay Area just open up their hearts and their wallets and say, what do you need? Just tell us. We didn't know this need was there. How can we help? It was overwhelming. The response was so wonderful. And um, and that Fisher House was just, it was night and day. Hmm. And the first person, this is kind of interesting, the first person who donated to the Fisher House was a nurse On our spinal cord injury unit who donated the five thousand dollars she had just inherited from her grandmother who had passed away and she gave that to build the Fisher House because she knew how desperately those families needed a place to stay right across the street from where their loved ones were being cared for
0: We're speaking with Carrie Childress. She is the vice president of the Fisher House Foundation. And for those listeners out there who keep hearing you say a Fisher House and not knowing exactly what that is, let's let them know what is a Fisher House and what does it offer to those family members that you're talking about?
2: Well, it's a great question and you're absolutely right. A lot of people do not know because we're kind of the world's best kept secret, even though we've been around for 25 years. Mm. But the easiest way to understand what a Fisher House is is to compare it to a Ronald McDonald House. Uh, Only we build these homes at VA and Department of Defense hospitals. So it is the families of our military and our veterans um, who stay at these Fisher Houses free of charge. Most of the time, they're right across the street from where they have to walk to. Uh, Because one of the things I think America in general I don't believe our veterans. I do believe our veterans understand, but I think there are a lot of people in America that don't understand that when a service member or a veteran is injured or becomes ill, the entire family suffers. Mm. And the entire family has to heal. And particularly with these major combat wounds, you know, this is not something these these men and women cannot heal in isolation. They need their families with them. And the families need to be there to heal and learn how to take care of them as well. So that's what a Fisher House allows. It allows these families to be there um, at such a critical time for their loved ones.
0: Fisher Houses, for those who are interested and don't know are between 5,000 and 16,800 square feet, 7 to 21 suites, professionally furnished and decorated. 16 to 42 family members can be accommodated in them with common kitchens, dining, and living room, and uh, upon completion are gifted to the DOD and VA. And while you talk about the most important thing, being able to offer that ability for the families to be there. There's even more that's offered. And in terms of savings, since the inception of Fisher House, we're talking $407 million that is, it has been basically savings passed on to those families. How important is that, and and how have the families reacted to both things, to being able to be there and to being able to save that money?
2: Um, it's it's amazing, and and certainly I would never trivialize the importance of saving the money but Fisher Houses are so much more than just a free place to sleep. They are also where families heal because a bonding takes place at a Fisher House that would never, ever happen in a hotel. These families cry on each other's shoulders. They celebrate the the good times together. They they talk to one another. So somebody who's been there for a couple months talks to a new family coming in and, and consoles them and also guides them and and I have seen friendships happen, and at Fisher Houses, um, that are lifelong, mm-hmm. just lifelong. And to, and to give you a story, again at the Palo Alto, I remember we had a very um, severely injured Marine who came with uh, brain injury, predominantly, and his young wife who was nineteen and eight months pregnant, no family. Mm-hmm. And I saw with my own eyes, literally within days, more moms and more grandmas that just gravitated to her to help her. It was the mother of another Marine being treated at the polytrauma center who held her hand when her baby girl was born. And that baby's first home for six months was a Fisher house. Wow. And when they left, they had to rent a U-Haul for all the gifts that they had been (laughs) giving through the months. That's the kind of thing that would never happen in a hotel. No. But it does happen every day in a Fisher house.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mention that. And I can think of going to different hotel things when I was in the military and for work. Different hotels and and not knowing that the other people were there for the same thing. Seeing some people at the events later, like, oh, I saw you at the hotel earlier today. Whereas at the Fisher house, they know what everybody's there for. And they have an understanding that... that No one else could possibly have. You're putting people who who are going through something similar, even if it's a very different injury. As you know, a traumatic brain injury is very different from an amputation. There are a variety, but a lot of the emotional issues that you can go through and the struggles, those are all the same for the families, right?
2: Absolutely. And not feeling alone. You know, that's the thing. And many of these families, especially if they're military families, especially moms and dads, don't understand VA. Don't understand the military. To have some another family member kind of explain to him what's going on there is hugely important. But one of the things you were talking about is the cost, and and I want to share another story with you that just touches, touched, touched, touched my heart, and it happened at the Houston Fisher House, actually to my boss, the president Dave Coker, and he was visiting the Houston Fisher House, and and a, and a Vietnam vet came up to him and said sir, I want to thank you for saving my life. And mm. Dave said, well, I think you got me wrong. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> um, I actually run the Fisher House Foundation. And he goes, I know exactly who you are. And he said, I was diagnosed with cancer nine months ago, and, and I live 200 miles from here. And I just decided, you know, I can't, I can't leave my wife of over 50 years and i'm just going to set it out here at home so i can spend the time with my family mm. because i was i just didn't want to leave them and he said and then i found out from a social worker that there was this place called the fisher house and that not only i could stay there but my wife could stay there with me mm. and he said and i found out today my cancers in remission wow that's amazing and
0: yeah. there are, So many stories like that out there with Fisher House. We're speaking with the vice president of Fisher House Foundation, Carrie Childress. There are 76 Fisher Houses in the U.S., Germany, and the U.K. If anyone is wondering why Germany and the UK, well, we have medical facilities there that often treat those injured on the battlefield before they come back mm-hmm. to the United States for continuing care. Um, you know, uh, many people, their first stop is at, uh, I think it's Ramstein, where they're seen in, in, in Germany. I mean, and launch Landstuhl. Landstuhl as yeah. well. Yep. You have uh, other places where uh, people are being seen. And... Again, so many stories that you, you've just told oh. us three right off the top of your head. Yeah. And we've got 76 Fisher Houses providing 7 to 21 suites for 16 to 42 family members. Just do some basic math on how many more stories there might be out there. And, it's mind-boggling.
2: And, and I think, to me, out of all those figures, the most important figure is on any given night, any given night, up to a 1,000 families can be staying in a Fisher House. Mm. That's you're absolutely right. It's a thousand stories on any given night. And that's hugely important.
0: A thousand stories just on their own. But then think about those thousand people interacting with the other families that are around them. Those, yes. you know, maybe 10 other families that are there. That's 10,000 stories. that are Exactly. Coming out it. It's it, it, it builds and builds. And what Fisher house has been able to build is, is truly impressive, incredible, and uh, emotional to hear these stories, to yeah. hear about what's going on there. So, how do people, if they, they hear about this, and like that that cancer survivor that you were speaking of, they don't know about it. How do they find out if they're eligible, or how do they go about trying to gain access to a Fisher House if they're facing a situation like
2: that? Well, you need to go through your medical team, mm-hmm. whoever that is, whoever you're talking to. Um, your nurses or social workers should know if they have a Fisher House there. If you're curious beforehand on treatment, you can go up to our website, which is fisherhouse.org. Easy to remember, fisherhouse.org. And at the top, there's a the little uh, drop-down that says houses. Go to current houses, and you will see there a full listing of all the houses. But more importantly, you will also see the names and contact information for the managers of every one of those houses. Mm. So you can also go directly if you want. Just just give them a ring or send them an email and say, hey, I'm coming in for such-and-such such treatment. I'd like to bring my wife um, how you know? Can I get can I get a schedule? Can I make an appointment? And mm-hmm. um and so there's a number of routes to do that. But and that's why we so enjoy and so appreciate what you're doing for us today, mm-hmm. because you're absolutely right. A lot of vets just don't know because we don't do advertising. Mm-hmm. We don't do paid for advertising in an effort to keep our overhead down. But it does have a price to that, in that a lot of people aren't aren't even aware that Fisher Houses exist. So thank you for helping us spread the word. And And I hope uh, the folks listening, if you do need a Fisher House, please, by all means, reach out. Reach right. out. And
0: it's not just, I, I think one of the one of the problems may be that the older veterans, like you were just mentioning, a Vietnam veteran with cancer, assume that a lot of these things that they hear about that are, I mean, Fisher House isn't new. It's 25 years you guys have been around. But they hear about it and they think well that's for the iraq and afghanistan absolutely but that's not who it's for all veterans right?
2: and being a vietnam era veteran myself um it is one of the things i'm most proud of fisher house is that we don't just serve our iraq and afghanistan we're talking not just our vietnam iraq and afghanistan but korea and world war ii right we have a lot of world war ii vets who unfortunately now are on the va hospice units Mm -hmm. And and their, their wives and their loved ones can stay in a Fisher house and be really nearby in case they need to get over there very, very quickly. So, yes, these homes serve our youngest vets from 19 right on up to our oldest in their 90s.
0: And with those different generations of not only the veterans but their families, of course, that gives an interaction that could be so beneficial. Because one of the things I learned when I joined the VFW, for example, is you know the Korean War veterans, the Vietnam veterans. Any question that I had about dealing with something at the VA or anywhere, yes. guess who had the answers? Yes, because they'd been doing it for fifty plus years. Yes, you know? uh
2: huh. And I of do. course,
0: you have the featured common kitchens, dining rooms, and living rooms was that intentional to kind of it was
2: absolutely intentional zachary fisher who was the man who really started fisher house 25 years ago fully intended for this to be a home not just a a a hotel like environment but a home and so there is a common kitchen there's a common dining room there's common uh tv rooms and and I will tell you, the kitchen is the main place that these families hang out oh, and yeah. get to know one another. They cook meals for one another. You know, they share dinners, and and when you do that, you really do, you really do have bonding uh, between the families that you rarely see anywhere else because they're all under this in this traumatic kind of period of their lives, right. and sharing that together. Over coffee and biscuits in the morning um, makes a big difference in their lives.
0: Now, we have 76 Fisher Houses currently. That number is going to increase, though. You guys have some under construction right now. I mean, what is the plan going forward for Fisher House?
2: As we're speaking today, we are groundbreaking at the VA in Palo Alto for the second Fisher House. Oh, wow. And two days from now, we will be dedicating the... um, Fisher House at Orlando, Florida. Meanwhile, right now, at some form of construction, we have nine Fisher Houses. Mm. And then behind that, another 16 have been sent to us from the Department of Veterans Affairs for hospitals there that need them. And, of course, we're having to replace some of the really early Fisher Houses as well. We've replaced the one at Fort Bragg and because that was one of the original twenty-two, and they now have a big, beautiful um, twenty-suite Fisher House at Fort Bragg. So, yeah, it it continues to grow. Uh, we don't see any any slowing down mm. in the future. Uh, the need continues, and and that I think is another important point you bring up because people seem to think that as the wars wane down, right, that we don't have to worry about our men and women anymore. Um, We all know how crazily untrue that is. But it is a misconception out there that once the wars are waning down or over, why do we need a Fisher House?
0: That's like thinking, you know, someone gets a bad cut and they get stitches. Well, you're done. That's yes. it. You got the stitches. The bleeding's over. No, there's care afterwards. You need yes. to get those stitches removed. You need to make sure there's no infections. And when you talk about someone, uh, you know, who's dealing with amputations or a traumatic brain injury, those are going to need care for the rest of their for lives. For
2: the rest of their lives. Absolutely. You 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 hit it right on. And that's the thing that we have to really because I think that's one of the most important things um, I have as a communications person. One of the most important messages I want to get out there is, you know, come on, folks. These guys, these men and women who have been injured will need care mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. Their families will be by their side at that time and need a place to stay.
0: As we look at the numbers, 76 Fisher houses, is incredible. Fantastic that you have those. There are more VA facilities than 76. Is the Mm -hmm. eventual goal to have a Fisher house at every VA facility? Is that something? We would
2: absolutely love that. We would love that.
0: Is that something that people can can help get done? Like if I I looked at the list and uh, before moving here, I lived on Long Island and there's a big VA medical center in Northport, Long Island. There's not a Fisher House near there. Now, if the people in uh, Suffolk County and Nassau County, Long Island got together, I mean, is there a way that they can get together to let you guys know that this would be valuable or how do they go about that? No, because
2: it's done a little differently. We actually get the list from the Department of Veterans Affairs and DOD. So what they do is they go out to all their hospitals and say, who needs a Fisher house? Mm. And those hospitals then send in their justifications for needs for a Fisher house, at which time then the secretary prioritizes them and sends to us, usually every other year, a list of, of um, VA hospitals, the top list of the VA hospitals who need Fisher houses. And so we take our direction from them and uh, which can be a little difficult particularly if you get a congressman or a senator who is gung ho to have a fisher house in their va yeah. um, it it is dependent we we do prioritize cuz those fisher houses for example the polytrauma centers right um we'll get houston now has 3 uh, fisher houses because wow. not only are they an auxiliary polytrauma center but they also have the cancer yep center nearby so those Those VAs that have that type of thing certainly get a priority because polytrauma typically means months Mm. of rehabilitation.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Carrie Childress. She's currently the vice president of Fisher House Foundation, an organization that you've just heard is doing uh, an incredible amount of good out there for the veteran community and our families. Now, Carrie, of course, we just found out that people can't just go to Fisher House and say, hey, we need one here. It works a little bit differently than that. I imagine there are ways that people can help out the Fisher House. Where do they go to find out what they can do to help you guys out and find out more info on Fisher House Foundation?
2: There's lots of things folks can do, and you don't even need money. Seriously. Um, you can always donate to Fisher House, but you know you can also volunteer at a Fisher House. If you want to go and have a barbecue or if you want to go and, and bake cookies for the families there, you can do that. Again, go, go to our website, fisherhouse.org, Take a look at the home, see where there might be a home near you that you might be able to volunteer at. Contact the manager and say, hey, love to come and volunteer. What can I do to help? Another way you can really help out without spending a penny. If you got any unused frequent flyer miles? Uh-huh. Because we have a program called Hero Miles, where we fly families to the bedsides of their loved ones. And and that can be as important to these families as having a Fisher house to stay in just being able to afford that and so we use donated frequent flyer miles to do that so if you have if you have some miles sitting in in a United but you fly Delta all the time and you're never going to use that 2000 in United by all means go up and donate it to us because we definitely use every single one of those miles for our families
0: a four star charity on chat, Charity at Navigator, A plus from Charity Watch, and truly an A plus, five star organization, in my opinion. Carrie Childress from the Fisher House Foundation, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Tune in is the audio platform with something
0: for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
1: The clock at four. Doncic.